kpcg.fm online and 101.3 FM in the Edmond, Oklahoma area. Here are the latest headlines from Feature Story News. The UK government's plan to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda is not lawful, but this doesn't appear to be the end for the long-running legal saga. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has said the UK government is already working on a new treaty with Rwanda, and is prepared to change the laws in order to make the deportations happen. Simon Gaitan reports. The Supreme Court justices said that the risk that refugees could be sent back to their countries by Rwanda was too high for the policy to be lawful. They pointed to extensive evidence from the UN Refugee Agency that cast doubt on Rwanda's compliance with international obligations. They also raised concerns over the independence of the country's judiciary. The Rwanda plan emerged under the government of Boris Johnson amid pressure to bring down the number of migrants crossing the English Channel in small boats. The UK signed a deal with Rwanda to take in asylum seekers and process them in the country in exchange for $150 million and a further $15,000 per person. Earlier this year, the Court of Appeal ruled that Rwanda was not a safe third country to send asylum seekers to. Wednesday's ruling agrees with that decision. US President Joe Biden is set to meet China's President Xi Jinping later on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Cooperation Summit taking place in San Francisco. It will be just the second time the two leaders have met during Biden's presidency, as Iris Spitzer reports. Both Joe Biden and Xi Jinping have arrived in San Francisco ahead of this long-anticipated meeting on the sidelines of the APEC summit. 
Ahead of the meeting, President Biden said one of the outcomes he is looking for is the resumption of military to military communications, which China has cut off in the wake of several recent diplomatic incidents. Chinese officials have said that the Chinese leader is seeking assurances that the U.S. is not seeking a new Cold War. There are few expectations for any major breakthroughs in this meeting, but just the fact that they are sitting down together at all is highly significant given the recent breakdown in the relationship. Rescue teams are racing to save 40 construction workers who've been trapped inside a collapsed tunnel in northern India since Sunday. Sriyoshi Mukherjee reports. Officials say a fresh landslide in the state of Uttarakhand has made it difficult to get the construction workers out of the collapsed tunnel. Officials working on this mission say those trapped inside are safe for now and are being supplied food, water and oxygen through narrow pipes. This tunnel, which was under construction, is a part of the federal government's ambitious project to make popular Hindu religious spots more accessible to visitors. But environmental experts say this area is already landslide and earthquake-prone, and unchecked rapid construction will only make the region more vulnerable to such accidents. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. The Trumpet Daily is presented by Stephen Fleury. The program analyzes world news and history from a distinct perspective and compares current events to prophecies found in the Bible. The program also offers free educational publications, including the Trumpet News Magazine and books and booklets. The Trumpet Daily is produced at the Philadelphia Church of God's home campus in Edmond, Oklahoma, and its sister campus in Edstone, England. More information is available at thetrumpet.com. Trumpet Daily program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily program begins right now. Former MMA fighter and current Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen took issue with a tweet by Teamsters Union leader Sean O'Brien during a HELP committee hearing. Quit the tough guy act. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Hashtag little man syndrome. Sure, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your solution every problem? No, no, sit down. Oh, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. Okay. I never thought I'd say this, but Bernie Sanders seems to be the voice of reason here. You don't do that, no problem. You don't run your mouth unless you're going to answer the call. I didn't start it. I didn't tweet at him. I didn't go after him. I have no beef with the guy. Sean O'Brien, president of that union, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, uh, is here. Uh, and Sean, I have to say, uh, I'm sure you're, you're plenty strong, 
But Mark Wayne Mullen is a is a former professional MMA fighter. What went through your mind when he basically challenged you to a physical fight during a Senate hearing? Yeah, you know, look, what, th what went through my mind was you're one of a hundred of the most powerful people in the country, and you're acting like a 12-year-old in a schoolyard because you didn't get your way. Okay, but can I say, you're tweeting like a 12-year-old. I mean, your tweets were... were you know, you know where to find me any place, anytime, cowboy. You're making fun of him for not being the tallest senator. Right. I mean, you represent 1.3 million workers. Do you really think... You all continue to... You look like a smurf here just going around and all this stuff. Now, listen... M Mr. Chairman, you no, have... I'm going to tell you No, no, something. hold on. If we're, you if we're not on time... We, you disinformation. You, you, you have you gone on TV and you said the president did something you illegal. Kevin McCarthy walked by and... Elbowed me in the kidneys as he walked by. You're quite confident this was deliberate. Oh, come on. I'll take a I'll take a polygraph test and have Kevin take a polygraph test. Did I hit somebody? I did not run and hit the guy. I did not kidney punch him. I did not shoot anything like that. You didn't shove him. No. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even know something transpired. But reporters or witnesses said it looked like you yeah. there was plenty of room for you to walk and that you intentionally hit him. There is, okay, not a place. Show me a reporter who saw that. Claudia Grisales joins us now. She's a congressional correspondent for NPR. Uh, witnessed the altercation. Uh, it was pretty stunning. I didn't register it as a serious shove, if you will, until a few moments into it. I was just starting my interview with the congressman, with Tim Burchett of Tennessee, and I was just checking in on the conference meeting that had taken place just a short ways down that same hallway. And while we're standing in the hallway, suddenly Burchett lunges towards me, and he had been shoved, what it looked like for me, what I saw when I looked up. I could see McCarthy, I could see his detail, and I felt like I could see an elbow retracting back from McCarthy after doing this shove. And so, I, again, I thought that was a joke at that mm. moment. Uh, Birch had even responded in a joking fashion. He said, sorry, Kevin, didn't mean to elbow you. But within a second later, he was, Burchett was yelling down. And McCarthy, who continued to walk without pausing as if nothing happened, and Burchett was yelling back at McCarthy, why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Sorry, Kevin, didn't mean to elbow. Why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Jerk. And I will give children to be their princes, the prophet Isaiah said over in Isaiah 3. My father uh, comments on that in uh, his booklet, No Freedom Without Law. But what a, what a crazy day yesterday. What a spectacle. The whole world is watching. They're hardly, even, uh, they're hardly even at work. I think they're just about to take off for another vacation, the people that work at Capitol Hill. But when they are there, when they are there, this is the kind of circus that we're getting accustomed to. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com and also at our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily, and you can join our growing audience over there. You can hop into the live chat, and you can leave us some Feedback. You can also email the show, td at thetrumpet.com. As I say, you just watch, uh, you kind of step back, and again, I know this is kind of American-centric here for some of our international listeners, but here you have President Xi. He's arriving in San Francisco, and 
People are lining the streets with the Chinese communist flag, just waving them away, playing the, the anthem. That's in San Francisco. And then in D.C., you've got the largest pro-Israel demonstration or protest, I think, in history. It was, it was completely peaceful, by the way, and, and, all, and refreshing in some ways. They're, they're singing the national anthem, the Israeli anthem, and they're flying Israeli flags together with the U.S. flags as well. Completely peaceful, quite unlike all of the pro-Hamas demonstrations that are all over the world now, every Saturday, every weekend, it seems. And then, and then in, in the halls of Congress, you've got Kevin McCarr. He's still angry because of that motion to vacate. The guy he elbowed, he was one of the eight to vote with uh, Matt Gates and the others. And so McCarthy's coming along, and he's no doubt peeved because... They passed the continuing resolution yesterday, a compromise basically for the new speaker. They're just going to keep spending like drunken sailors. And then finally, finally confront the budget crisis next year in election year. I guess they'll, they'll get around to it then if they happen to show up for work. So he compromises the new speaker. McCarthy's upset. He's like, well, that's, I mean, what he did is exactly what I had to do. I mean, this is what you have to do to get any kind of bill or legislation through. You've got to compromise. So he walks by the Tennessee congressman. There's three witnesses. And then McCarthy gets in front of the camera and says, I didn't do anything. I didn't elbow anybody. He just lies. A bunch of children. And then the guy tweeting out he's ready to fight. And then the congressman, he takes him up on it. And then Bernie Sanders having to calm everyone down. Bernie Sanders, of all people. I tell you, it's a, it, can you feel the spirit of anger and discontent? What is it leading to? Well, where is this mindset taking us? I mean, the children are in control. The children are running the show. I got back last night, saw the tweet of the, I think it's the Warriors game where you've got these two guys, they haven't even shot a basket, or nobody's scored yet, so it's, a, it's in the first minute of the game. These two just fighting, pulling each other's jerseys, and then a big guy coming in trying to separate them apart, and then Draymond Green comes from behind and puts him in a headlock and won't let go. Just won't let, won't let him go. I mean, at least the, the few involved were kicked out of the game. But what is going on? What is... What is it that's setting people off? Well, it gets back to what we've been saying this week. Ephesians 2, 2, the prince of the power of the air. I mean, we're just being bombarded with Satan's emotions and attitudes and moods. You see it everywhere in the world. You see it in the world of sports, even entertainment. You see it in your own neighborhood a lot of times. My father says in No Freedom Without Law, God has, he's commenting on Isaiah 3. He says, God has taken away the judge who renders true justice because of our sins. All the leaders are like little children in their reasoning. They rule like babes. They're just like little children. Here you get the, the Teamsters guy coming on saying, well, he was, he was acting like a 12-year-old. And Jake Tapper, to his credit, says, well, 
I mean, your tweeting is like a 12-year-old. You're all 12-year-olds. It's amazing. They, they really go after the, the, the conservatives. I wonder if anybody's tweeted at Adam Schiff and said, you know where I am. Come get me, Adam. I'm ready for a fight. They always go after the Republicans, and you either get one or two extremes. You get like what you saw there, or you just get the weak Republicans who won't stand against anything. And then they're all in this massive food fight. Inside Congress, children are guided solely by emotions unless they are guided by a wise adult, my father says. But here in Isaiah, the children rule. The children rule, guided mainly by their emotions. It says, and children are naturally lawless. Our leaders have never grown up emotionally. They, they just haven't grown up emotionally. You read through Isaiah 3, verses 1 through 3, and it says very clearly there that God's just taken away. He's taken away the mature leaders. He's taken away the adult leadership. I mean, this is the final result, really, of children being disobedient to their parents. They've not grown up under loving rule from a father and mother, so many of them. And look at how they turn out. Surprise, surprise. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Not if you understand just a little bit of the truth of the Bible. If you grow up in a household without restraint, without rule and law, without order, well, what you get is a society like we're seeing all around us. This says here, that's true of all of our leaders, not just one political party. And they lead the nations of Israel, including what has been the world's number one superpower. What has been. I mean, you can dismiss it and say, look, there's always been political strife, even going back to America's founding. But this is different. I mean, this is, this is, out, of, this is out of 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah, just switching back to that one, I've kind of paraphrased it already. God taking away all those leaders, verses 1 through 3. And then it says in verse 4, And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. It says, The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. You have all of these horrific acts, and then you see in so many circles the childish reaction where, where the children just lie. Oh, it didn't happen. They're, the free beacon yesterday had a story about 10-year-old children joining the Hamas terrorists as, as they went from one Jewish community to the next, murdering, beheading, burning, looting, shooting. And the 10-year-old Hamas children laughing and cheering it on. We hear so much about the Gazan children. Israel can't defend itself because you might kill the Gazan children. You mean the ones that were going in there laughing at these Jews that were being beheaded? That this is a sick world. And as I've said, October 7, that's Israel's 9-11. It's, it's all of our 9-11. But you see how so many have responded to or reacted to that horrific attack. 
And I mean, that exposes a great evil as well. This is from uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1. Look at even the, I mentioned the example the other day, these 15 youths, these 15 black youths, and they stomp and pummel and kick this 17-year-old white kid to death. Now, there's the one angle of the story, which is that the, the regime media just doesn't cover it. It doesn't fit comfortably in, into their narrative that uh, the whites in America have racism right into their DNA. It doesn't fit that narrative, so they just ignore it. Or, or if they do discuss it, they say, well, now hang on. I think there, it, th- I think there was a brown person in, uh, in the group that was beating the white kids. So they weren't all black. I mean, imagine reasoning that way. Or, okay, the, some of the babies were killed, but they weren't beheaded, the apologists say. What a world. The children are in control. The childish reasoning and thinking, it, it persists. It's everywhere. This is another article my father wrote back in February of this year about mighty Rome falling. How many, how many Romans at the peak of the empire thought that, you know what, <laughs> I think this empire, I think one day this empire is going to come crashing down. No, no, they thought like so many Americans did for so long. Well, we're the mightiest superpower in history. We'll never fall. The higher up you go, like Mr. Armstrong says in this book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy, the harder the crash. And that's what's coming. That's what's coming. If you don't have this book, I mean, this is really like the foundational book with respect to Bible prophecy because you know then who we are. You would think everyone would want to know this, but no, they don't even want to get into the Bible. They don't want to look into Bible prophecy. They don't care about who the United States is in prophecy or Great Britain or Judah or uh, Germany. The number again, one 930 My father says in that February issue, he refers to Gibbon's classic work, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And he says, where Gibbon identified five major causes that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire. First, breakdown of the family. This happened in Rome, and it led to their downfall. Breakdown of the family. Second, increased taxation. Here we got another continuing resolution, and the conservatives say, well, at least there won't be a big omnibus bill right before Christmas. We can just have this get us through to 2024, and then we'll address it again. They always kick the can down the road. Keep spending the trillions. Keep increasing taxation. Keep the party going. The higher up you go, the harder the crash, the harder the fall, right? Just a little bit of adult wisdom tells you this. Who could live like this individually? What family could just keep running up credit card after credit card after credit card and assume that, hey, everything will be okay? The creditors aren't going to come after us. I mean, look at who we are. We're special. Increased taxation. Third, an insatiable craving for pleasure. You think we have a problem with that today? They did in Rome. Led to their downfall. Fourth, 
an unsustainable buildup of armaments? How many wars is the United States involved in or, or assisting or funding? Insatiable, or rather an unsustainable buildup of armaments. And then fifth, the decay of religion. Have you seen that anywhere in our, in our nations today? History is repeating itself. It says, a great civilization is not conquered from without, wrote historian Will Durant, until it has destroyed itself within. You see, you destroy itself, and that's what you're seeing when you see all of the, on Veterans Day, on Veterans Day, they're in New York City, they're desecrating American flags, and then yesterday in San Francisco, you've got the Chinese communist flag just all around the hotel that, that Xi is staying in. He's treated like royalty. I mean, the whole, air, the whole quadrant of the city, it's been barricaded. I told you yesterday, the streets have been cleaned up. This is President Xi. Gavin Newsom admitted, yeah, we just cleaned up the streets for Xi. The boss is coming into town. I mean, the communists, they're not even trying to, they're not even trying to conceal their true colors anymore. <laughs> the communist infiltration, I mean, it's nearly, it's nearly complete. And you know, Herbert Armstrong... There's, a, there's an entire chapter in this brochure. He was right. He was right. The communist infiltration of America was prophesied. Bible prophecy is important. It's important for you to get your nose into what the Bible says about our nations, because it has a lot to say. I just gave you Isaiah 3. Notice 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come perilous times in the last days. This is the Apostle Paul writing about the last day. He means the last days before, before one world government is set up on this earth by Jesus Christ. One world government is coming. Herbert Armstrong used to write about a time uh, when world leaders said, coming out of World War II and during the, the, the atrocities of the 20th century, the only way we're going to be able to solve this if there's, is if there's a one-world government that just forcibly prevents explosions of violence from happening. Well, the, the United Nations came along, kind of springing from that mindset. Let's get all the nations together. Harry Truman, at the establishment of the UN, had some very, uh, very optimistic and, and strong words to say about how, how the, the strong nations of the world need to prevent war from happening. Well, the United Nations didn't exactly do that, did they? They've just become a platform for the radicals. And you know what? Herbert Armstrong, was, he was at some of those early meetings at the formation of the UN. And you know what he discerned in 1945? He said that the nations have gathered here and the big, uh, you know, the big announcements and speeches given that the cameras catch, they, they talk very optimistically about the future and about peace. But he said, what I see here within the, the halls of this chamber, within the, the backroom channel discussions going on, I see the seeds being planted for the next world war. He was right. That's the title of this brochure. Make sure you get a copy of that for your library as well. He was right. Dangerous times in the last days. Verse 2 says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, 
blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You know where all of this leads? To chaos, anarchy, violence. Verse 3 says, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. They go after the, the ones that are good. Like I was saying yesterday on the show, not all protests are treated equally. All the Chinese communists, they came out with the communist flags, waving them proudly. And then the anti-communist demonstrators, there weren't, there weren't even that many of them. And the San Francisco police, law enforcement, they have to shoo away that group. We can't have the anti-communist protesters on the streets of America. Just let them praise President Xi in San Francisco. It's unbelievable. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded. High, there's a lot of high-mindedness in the world today. Where, where is the humility? Here, here the world's going up in flames and people get on, they get on TV the next day. And they're so confident, they're so bold that they have the answers. And then half the time, more than that, they're just lying. <laughs> Skip ahead if you will, there in the sound booth, to uh, this, this is from MSNBC commenting on Donald Trump. He's not president. He's just a private, ordinary citizen in Florida. But as I've said this week, we've played a couple of montages. He still dominates the news site. It doesn't matter if there's dumpster fires going on all around you. Donald Trump is what we've got to discuss. This is uh, clip number three. Um, but the 25th Amendment piece stands out to me. It, it, as your reporting would suggest, is Donald Trump fully there mentally? But what I can tell you is the people that have raised questions about whether or not he is fully there me mentally uh, have been the people closest to him. Oh, okay. So the, his inner circle, they all know that he's like a, a mental vegetable, as I guess it is. And, and, and the 25th Amendment, that's how you remove a president. When he, when he loses it mentally, you can, you can look at that clause and then rightfully move him, remove him from office. The thing of it is, he's not even in office, okay? And the one who is there at the moment, you can make a pretty good case that the 25th Amendment applies to him. It's, it's crazy, upside-down world. Isaiah 5. Listen, I don't know if this is the same network, but listen to what they had to say. Yeah, this is Morning Joe. It's the next one, what they have to say about the fake president, Joe Biden, clip four. None of us can comprehend the weight of the presidency. Every hour of every day. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Someone 45 years of age couldn't do what he does yeah. every day, but he does it. Donald Trump's a vegetable, and Joe Biden is, is uh, in his prime. Got it. There's your, there's your reporting for the day, for this week. Biden meeting with Xi, laying out the red carpet, treating him like royalty. What a world. What a day yesterday was. It was surreal. It was like, is this, is this really happening? Is this really how deranged and childish we've become? Upside down. 
Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. There's a lot to turn away from. I mean, there's a lot to observe and watch in this world. Jesus told us to. But he, he definitely says, God, God definitely says, turn away from and shun the evil. Shun the evil. Shun these, these carnal impulses, these satanic influences. Just turn away from them. Here again, Herbert Armstrong, he was way ahead of his time. He, this chapter on the, China, the communist infiltration, I mean, there's quotes in there from Mr. Armstrong from back in the 1950s. And you hear it in the, some of the conservative commentary today. Today, I mean, how far ahead of his time was he? Listen to this. This is like it's taken from the communist infiltration chapter. This is a, a commentator who he, he heads up every Black Life Matters. Uh, his name's Kevin McGarry. Listen to what he had to say on one of the Fox shows last night, clip two. What we're seeing is a complete uh, undermining of all of the systems. We see the undermining of family, we undermining of education by our children being propagandized to and, and brainwashed into thinking that everything uh, has to do with, uh, you know, colonialists and supremacists that have taken over all of our major, all, all of the money and all of the jobs. And therefore, you're a victim. You know, you, you, you know, you got to go out and get yours because they're the ones who have taken your opportunity. And these are messages that have been uh, postulated now for the past two generations, I would say. And right now, they're really hitting stride. So this is all part of a, uh, you know, a, a Marxist kind of, cultural Marxist kind of uh, stream that we're in now. And they want, if they can, to, to try to get the races aggrieved and clashing and bitter and hateful towards one another, because that is and then produces another cog, if you will, uh, that, that really undermines America and ultimately, you know, provides a, a system that is in collapse. When it's in collapse, then, of course, control. we can go into the globalist yeah. communist stuff. Undermining all of the systems, a system in collapse, says this commentator. That was last night. This is commentary from... 2023, My Father in America Under Attack, this, uh, this book here that we promote more than any other, he says, in 1956, Herbert Armstrong encapsulated the emerging threat of communism in America as, quote, this is from 1956, a psychological warfare of propaganda, infiltration, subversion, demoralization. It's a warfare that has attacked our minds and our moral and spiritual values rather than our bodies and our earthly possessions. It says here, quoting Mr. Armstrong, it's a kind of warfare we don't understand or know how to cope with. It uses every diabolical means to weaken us from within, sapping our strength, perverting our morals, sabotaging our educational system, what did that commentator say? All of the systems, they're being undermined. Wrecking our social structure, destroying our spiritual and religious life, weakening our industrial and economic power, demoralizing our armed forces, and finally, after such infiltration, overthrowing our government by force and violence. That's from 1956. That's nearly 70 years ago that he prophesied of that. Now that commentator, to his credit, he says that this, 
this fundamental transformation. It's been going on for at least two generations. He's right. He's right. You can look back now. I mean, it's easier now, using the benefit of hindsight, to look back and say, how did this happen? What happened to our universities? What happened to all of our systems? What happened to the system of government that used to work at least fairly well? What happened to the economy? What happened to the, the budget? What happened to the way that you pass budgeting legislation? Why, for the, the past three decades, have they just all been lumped in to these massive, bloated, omnibus spending packages? Rather than taking it, you know, one item at a time, which you would have to do if you're going to maintain some fiscal responsibility, even in the, the home with your family. If you're running out of money, you go line by line and say, okay, we can't afford this anymore. Let's disconnect the cable or whatever. Then you look at the way we embrace the communist leaders of this world, like President Xi. There's another dear leader. And I mean, when he arrives, Janet Yellen's there, and the, the music is blaring in the streets around his fancy hotel. The city's been completely barricaded. So you got to protect Xi. He's a prominent communist. He's a communist dictator. Look at this scene of him, his motorcade arriving. I think the music has been overlaid on the video, but from what the press reported, the, the, the communist music, the anthems, they were blaring on the streets of San Francisco. Clip six. is here surrounding the St. Regis, that's the luxury hotel in downtown San Francisco where Xi is staying. It says banners and balloons hailing the Chinese leader's arrival stretched for blocks as scores of law enforcement officers oversaw a fenced off area around the hotel. Pro-China demonstrators defended the area with megaphones and uh, deafened, I should say. Well, some of them defended it too because there were scuffles. I'll get to that in a second. But they deafened the area with megaphones and patriotic anthems. A group of anti-communist party protesters had gathered earlier in the afternoon, but were soon after blockaded by San Francisco police and later dispersed from the area. Now, now what country does it? Imagine if, if, if the fake president was arriving in Beijing and you had all of these pro-Americans come out with the U.S. flag. The stars and bars were waving. And then, if anti-Americans came out with their home country's flag, the communist flag, do you think the Chinese authorities would tell their own people, get out of here, we want to give a platform to those who love America? We're the only nation that does this. Hamas takes to the streets all these Palestinian flags. The communists arrive from China, all these communist flags. No problem. Free speech, right? Well, except for the ones that oppose it. Then, I mean, you've got to push them aside. Clear the streets for the communists. 
It says here, this is from the South China Post, APEC summit, clashing protesters cheer for Beijing or call for justice in China as leaders gather in San Francisco. A handful of critics, meanwhile, held signs aloft calling for human rights, justice, and property rights in China. At one point, a critic held out a sign and a pro-China demonstrator blocked it with a huge Chinese flag leading to a fight involving nearly a dozen people using flags and signs as battering rams before police, police broke it up. And then going by what the other story says, they basically said, the, you know, the anti-communists, you got to get out of here. This is for Xi. This luxury hotel, the, these many blocks that have been blockaded with these impressive barriers, just like you saw it at the fake president's inauguration, the fake inauguration, you know, the one that no one showed up to. All of these barricades, because, well, Grandma's a, a threat. She supported MAGA. So we've got to barricade in the fake president. It's so dangerous. They gave the same kind of protection to the dear leader from China, President Xi. Listen to this from Fox News yesterday, clip five. To the Chinese, they are already at war with us. It's a political war. It's a non-shooting war yet. They don't uh, look at it as the way we do. We see a war as only involving shooting. The Chinese see it involving uh, economic, drugs, financial propaganda, subversion. And that's what they've been doing. And we've just refused to call it that. All in this American conceit that if we just talk, we can work out all our problems. China's at war with us. He's right. He's right. Mr. Armstrong talked about the psychological war. I just gave you the quote from He Was Right. And we roll out the red carpet and we think that, yeah, one little discussion, it'll bring peace. And then you look at all that goes on in the background. Some of it's being uncovered by Jim Comer and his committee. The Biden crime family taking in millions from the communist Chinese. No wonder they roll out the red carpet. The Biden crime, this is the Biden crime family's biggest customer. So they roll it out for Xi. They roll it out for the communists. This is from our morning brief. You think America isn't under attack? Richard Palmer writes here, I think he wrote it. The United States is giving Iran yet more money. The Biden administration is extending a sanctions waiver that gives Iran about $10 billion from electricity sales in, uh, to Iraq. Biden's people justified the, the decision by saying that Iran could choose to fund, could fund, uh, choose to fund destabilizing activities first. Iran's going to fund terrorism either way, they argue. Therefore, uh, we'll give them the money. Well, look, they are a state sponsor of terror, but you know, the money belongs to them, and so we want to do the benevolent thing here and give them $10 billion. It's like I said yesterday on the show. Can you imagine? You, you talk about childish reasoning. Can you imagine giving the mullahs $10 billion now? Right now, after what happened on October 7th? I, I mentioned the, uh, the reporting from Douglas Murray. He wanted to go there to see the carnage for himself. Kibbutzes that are now ghost towns because everybody was murdered. Women, children, all of them. This other commentator, I think he's based in America, 
Mark Dubowitz. He wanted to go and see for himself as well. Dubowitz, he heads up the, uh, the Foundation for De Defense of Democracies, a think tank. He says here, I hadn't fully understood how much the country had so profoundly changed. He's speaking of Israel, little Israel. The horrors of October 7 were much worse than I had imagined and have been reported. The resolve of the Israeli people and willingness to do what is necessary to defeat this unimaginable evil is much greater than I expected. They are deeply appreciative of American support, but committed to do what they have to do, regardless of the support. That's another way of saying, if, if we lose America's support, Israel's prepared to just go it alone. They're fighting for their survival, after all. I mean, what would you do? You hear chants in the streets of London and New York City, from the river to the sea, get rid of all the Jews then. And then the problem solved, <laughs> the multiple times that the Palestinian people have been, have been offered a state. I think the deal that Clinton put on the table, if my memory serves me, it had, it had the Gaza Strip, it had the West Bank, and then they had some sort of land bridge that they were going to create so that it was all contiguous. And there you'd have your state right alongside Israel. Because there's so many childish leaders that say, that's all the Palestinian people want. They just want a state. Well, they've been offered that multiple times over the last several decades. And they've rejected it each time. Because the most important objective is to kill Jews, to get rid of the Jews, to wipe out the Jews. This guy says here, nothing will be the same again. Israel will emerge stronger under a new leadership and a new generation. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. They're showing some strength right now. Because I know that they see, I mean, you have to think they see this as a last resort. They've got to. I mean, October 7, it's like 2911s proportionally. He says, you cannot appreciate any of this until you're here and you look in their eyes. It's like nothing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like this. You think you're going to get some of the regime, regime media? to report on subjects such as this. October 7 is already long forgotten. We've moved on. It's occupation, baby. It's occupation. That's the evil. A and the Israeli bombing. And the, the Gaza Health Ministry says thousands and thousands of children have been blown up by the IDF. This is that Free Beacon article about the Palestinian children. Aaron Smolansky, a 28-year-old potato farmer, watched Gazan children go from house to house in his kibbutz on October 7. Hamas terrorists followed. The boys laughed as the gunmen shot or dragged away Israeli families. They were like young, young kids, this witness says. He defended his home, by the way, for about six hours that day gunfights all day long. Smolansky was one of a dozen survivors, just a dozen, 
at Near Oz, the Near Oz Massacre, who told the Washington Free Beacon, see it has to be the Free Beacon, the, po the Washington Post doesn't care, no. The New York Times, no, they don't care about this. Do you think the AP office in Gaza City, you think they're going to send reporters over to cover this story? No, their, their offices are right down the hallway from Hamas commanders. The Washington Free Beacon, he told the Beacon they witnessed boys or women from the Gaza Strip looting the kibbutz, helping the armed terrorists, and apparently enjoying themselves. The youngest children were around 10 years old. According to several of the survivors, one of whom provided photographs of some of the women and children that he saw. You've probably seen at least a little bit of footage or photographs of the border crossing once they punctured a hole through. <laughs> These Palestinians just, just streaming in. Not just Hamas. Just ordinary Palestinians as well. They wanted to see some of the carnage for themselves and loot the place while they were there. Why not? Who fights wars like this? I mean, war is war. But Douglas Murray's right on certain levels. This is worse than the Holocaust. To film it gleefully? To bring along your 10-year-old to see it? Who does this? This is right out of the mind of the devil. And it squares with some of the footage that we've seen. It squares with, uh, with our documentary feature, Israel's 9-11. But, you know, the Washington Post can't be bothered with a story like this. They're going to they're gonna tell you that the pro-Israel demonstration or protest, or really it was just a showing of support, they're going to tell you that that's dangerous. MAGA, dangerous. Donald Trump, crazy. Joe Biden, in his prime. It says here, the survivors spoke at a hotel in Elat, Israel's Red Sea resort town, where most of them have been temporarily relocated. Really some sick and evil, evil. You can hardly wrap your mind around it. The story continues to unfold. What did the commentator say, the think tank? Nothing will be the same again. So we've reached another tipping point. Surely we're at one in 2020 with the scandemic. And there have been so many others. Just in the last few years, this world is just being rocked back and forth. I mean, it's quaking, spiritually speaking. There are earth-shaking events happening all the time. And so you go back to 2 Timothy 3. You look at what Isaiah 3 says about God taking away all of the adult leadership. You look at what Isaiah 1 says about sickness, disease, from head to toe. You look at what the Bible says just about our nature, the nature that modern education wants for you to believe is essentially good. Yeah, human nature, human beings, we can sit down with them. We can sit down with G and work something out. We can send the mullahs 10 billion and they'll love us. 
IHP, sorry, Incredible Human Potential. I use the acronym in class. But if you don't have Mr. Armstrong's book, we've been going through the first few chapters of that in class recently. Request his book, The Incredible Human Potential. It is incredible what God is offering to man. And, and Mr. Armstrong makes the point that man's estimation of himself, you know, this, this short-term flesh and blood existence, there's so much high-mindedness. We can do anything. And then you talk about the incredible human potential to actually be born as a God being. And the scholars would say, oh, come on, don't get, that's crazy religion. Let's not get into that. Let's just exalt human beings. Let's just exalt human nature. High-mindedness. We're proud. Incredibly Human Potential says, The true gospel, when fully understood, explains the origin of the devil. Did God create a devil to mislead and harass hum humanity? The gospel explains how Satan came to be the great, though invisible and hidden, power that sways invisibly and actually rules this world. It explains why Satan moved with all his wiles and subtleness to suppress through humans he could sway this vital gospel message which God sent by Jesus Christ to mankind. Gospel means good news. Jesus Christ came into Galilee preaching the good news of the coming kingdom of God. And Satan blotted that out. On, on the large scale, he blotted it out within just a few short years. There, the truth, I mean, the, tru, the, the true church has proclaimed the true gospel. But look at the gospels that every other Christian denomination has, uh, has embraced. They focus on the messenger, and even there, it's not accurate, is it, to portray Jesus Christ as this long-haired womanish figure? He was a carpenter. He went into the temple kicking over tables and chairs when the money changers were in there. I think that happened twice. He was walking constantly up hills, down hills. You think he was some kind of skinny little effeminate uh, womanish figure? Of course he wasn't. And he wasn't a long-haired hippie either. Even, even when they focus on the messenger, they get it wrong. But God, God's focus is on the message. What did Jesus Christ teach? What did he explain? What did he teach about the kingdom of God? It's good news. You would think every newscaster would want this message. They don't. They don't. They've come out of the modern university, which is hostile to God and the Bible. What did Gibbon say? Decay of religion led to Rome's downfall. It was one of the five points. It says here, what is human nature? Did God create and instill it, instill it in humans to trouble us? Is it hereditary? How does it work? He says, neither modern science, religion, nor education can tell you. They just don't know. They don't have the answers. 
How do you explain if you don't know the source of what we call human nature? It's actually Satan's nature. If you don't know anything about that, how do you explain these appalling acts of evil? How do you explain October 7? Why did that happen? Well, we know the logistics of it all, but why did God allow it to happen? Why, why did Israel go to sleep? Just like America did for its 9-11. We had all those warnings in the 1990s. I mean, they tried to blow up the World Trade Center in 1993. And we just dismiss it, say, well, we, I'm glad it didn't come tumbling down. But hey, we've got to reach out to these people that hate us. We've got to reach out to communists. We've got to reach out to these Islamist regimes that, that just say openly we want to destroy America, the big Satan. That just shows you the fundamental lack of understanding about what human nature is. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And this is the prophet Jeremiah writing, what is this, 2,700 years ago? And he says about the heart of man. He's talking about the mind, obviously. The mind of man is desperately wicked. Why? I mean, we like to think of ourselves as good, as righteous. But God's assessment is that apart from His mind joining together with our human spirit, Romans 8, verses 14 and 16, unless you've had that miraculous change take place, and even then, I mean, it's a, it's a battle. You've got to fight to shun, as we read in 2 Timothy 3, to shun those satanic impulses and attitudes, to fight selfishness and vanity, to fight pride and high-mindedness. But when you haven't gone through that process leading up to repentance and conversion to the truth, I mean, God's assessment is that there's, I mean, there's an incurably sick mind there, and it's going to take a miracle, an absolute miracle from God to heal it. Jesus talked about healing the mind in Matthew 9. I won't take the time to go over there since we've only got a minute and a half left. I'll finish with a couple of emails from you, the dear viewer. If you'd like to email the show, by the way, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. This from one of our viewers, the dead frog. Thank you for the laugh. We sure needed that. Have a wonderful preparation day and glorious Sabbath, hopefully with no endangered frog species. <laughs> Another one here says, I want to say thank you for your broadcast each day. There is a voice still crying out in the wilderness of this sick and evil world. It is surely God warning each of us who will hear about what is about to befall this world. I've been studying and counseling to be baptized, and in my life uh, I am understanding who and what I am in this world also. Without God, I am nothing but misery. I mean, this fits exactly with what I just was getting into there the last few minutes. Without God, we're nothing but misery. I had severe trials during the fall festival season 
and I've had to really pray to ask God to show me my sins. I really had to look deeply into the inner man. I didn't like what I saw. I saw natural rebellion against what is good. I realize I need to surround myself with His righteousness, with much prayer, and most of all, submission to His will. It says here, you are truly blessed, and we, we are who hear the Philadelphia Church of God and your voice crying out to us in the wilderness. Thank you, and God bless all of you. If you'd like to email the show, as I say, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. If you're over at Rumble right now, do not leave without giving us the Rumble's thumbs up. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Good afternoon. It's the top of the hour. You're listening to Trumpet Radio, KPCG 